You're listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, we are so excited to be here with a repeat offender. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Kathy, Kathy Wynn is in the house. Uh, Kathy, thanks for, for joining us again. Oh, my pleasure. I love being with you guys. Kathy is the division manager of customer service for Cobb County Water System in Georgia. And uh, I have to say that when I, when I, I ask people to give me the full bio that we can put on the website, but also a really short kind of Instagram, Twitter style bio, and I loved Kathy's because it really speaks to why I think we get along so well. But Kathy is a self-described public water evangelist who loves talking about everything water professionals are taught to never talk about. Yes. <laughs> and one of those things is absolutely her passion for the vital role that customer service professionals play in the water industry. Uh, and so when I read that, I think I laughed out loud because that really is, that comes through, I have to say, and mm-hmm. everything that you do. Um, so like I said, we, we already have an amazing episode with, with Kathy recorded. That's episode 46. So be sure to go check that one out. Uh, we met Kathy when we heard her speak at the Water Smart Innovations Conference. Feels like mm-hmm. decades ago now, but was yeah, really only now. a few years. <laughs> Um, and like I said, it, that passion comes through and immediately I knew that I needed to know Kathy. And so we reached out about talking about at that time, water conservation, but we're really here today because I saw a post on LinkedIn that Kathy posted and it reminded me how absolutely necessary it is for us to recognize the customer service staff in our utilities that have been walking with people through mm-hmm. this global pandemic journey. Um, and that's not an easy journey to be on with, with everyone right now. So this episode is really an homage to them and a way to tell their story and remind all of us just how important they are to the work that we do. And um, I think that Kathy's got some really amazing lessons and stories that we can learn from about how to take care of them while they take care of our customers. So again, thank you for, uh, for being up to do, this was kind of like last minute impromptu. So thank you so much for, for hopping on. Oh no, my pleasure. I'm excited. Well, let's start out today by giving the audience some context. Um, I feel like a little bit, we're going backwards to talk about COVID and people are like, what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's like other things happening now and it's like, okay. Um, but you know, we all experienced COVID the same, but different, um, together, but very much apart from each other. Um, so tell us about your team and what the past two years have looked like for your team. Yeah. So, um, COVID is the biggest challenge I think I've ever faced in my professional career, right? I, I managed a really severe drought in Georgia where we were talking about, you know, days of water left. And I always said, Oh, I'll never do anything harder than that. Um, in my magic or and then COVID said, hold on, hold my beer. Um, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> you just like, we, got um, we were, uh, 
uh, it was actually, um, I remember the St. Patrick's Day, we got an email from our boss on uh, St. Patrick's Day 2020. And she said, um, I just heard we're going to go into what we called the LOS, which was the limited operations system for the county. And she said, I need you to come up with by staff tomorrow. Well, you had a staff meeting for senior staff, um, an entire LOS plan where only half of your staff is in the office on any day. I was like, oh, cool. Um, are we also going to only have half the customers um, calling yeah. us and half the customers setting up service? Will that, will that be going on as well? Um, so we, uh, we, I immediately pulled my management team in. We created Team A, Team B in all of the units. Um, we handed out everybody's assignments. We looked at who could work from home, which for us um, is a pretty limited number uh, in order to fulfill customer service because our phones and everything are hardwired into our mainframe computers here. So yeah. they're not super flexible. Uh, so they had to be in the office. So we came up with this plan. We presented it. And um, then our boss called each of us in. And I remember this conversation with my boss. I gave her the LOS and I said, obviously, I will be here every day. Um, at which point my boss said, I'm not sure you're essential. Oh, what well, awesome. Like, so my team is essential, <laughs> but me personally. Wow. And so I was like, well, you know, true that they do the real work, but here's the thing. I can't morally live if they're here um, and I'm not, right? I can't morally allow them to be here if I'm not. So we might just have to deal with me being here, non-essential and everything. Um, so I was, I was here every day in person. My team was here um, for a while. We did the split shifts and then, um, in 24 hours, we created a satellite call center in a vacant wow. senior center, um, and we operated Team B out of that uh, center, and Team A stayed with me and another, um, our training supervisor, our call center supervisor, and one of our um, most experienced leads moved over to run the other call center. And so we ran in tandem in two separate locations, kind of connected by chat and email um, and just operated like that for almost uh, seven months. And then we brought everybody back and we've just been dealing with the same thing. Every manager is uh, changing COVID regulations, <laughs> paid leave, non-paid leave. Uh, you can't be here. Even if I don't have anybody to work, I still have to send yeah. you home, right? Um, and just all of the challenges everybody's had only add on to that that my staff gets a daily dose of everybody else's anxiety um, mm -hmm. on right. top of their anxiety. Uh, so that it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that fun. That's, <laughs> I was not expecting that word. <laughs> been a real learning experience. <laughs> I, I think the last time we spoke was when you were, um, I think you were just moving into that managerial role. And I, was. Um, I, was, yeah. I think just hearing you talk, you know, leadership just, it suits you well. You wear it nicely. You know, the yeah. fact that you, that you could see the perception of what it looks like for every single other person to have to go in and the boss gets to stay home and work from the home, you know, from their home yeah. just setting the expectation of no, we're, we're all in this together and we're the team. So I really think that that speaks to, um, to your leadership as well. So I hope that I hope I'm you like, I'm dying to see this 24 hour turnaround plan. Yeah. Like, 
Oh, you yeah. Know, it's like me, the IS uh, person for water and um, our poor and genius uh, internal uh, property central maintenance guy. Like he, I, he built out cubicles from just stuff he found in storage. Revion, who is our IS person, and I are like wheeling computers across like our parking lot and then the senior service parking lot and like wagons and we're wiring stuff. It was crazy. Are you um are you gonna go on the presentation circuit to talk about this? That I don't know. We've done some in Georgia. We've done some presentations about our response. We haven't um I haven't really been outside of Georgia since the pandemic, except for like one vacation with my husband this summer. (laughs) True. Yeah. I'm going to rephrase that question into a statement and say, you better be going out on the (laughs) conference circuit and and telling that story. Okay. Um, So I really feel like the lines between our personal and professional lives are blurred now more than ever, probably had a lot to do with the fact that so many of us were working from home. Uh, But I think that that's a good thing. I think that that's a silver lining that came out of some of this that that we're bringing back into office with us as we kind of transition and see what what next looks like. Um, Talk about how y'all have taken care of each other as human beings during everything that you just walked us through. Sure. Um, So we were lucky because we had an infrastructure when I came on. I I started doing things. We have monthly celebrations for all of the staff birthdays. We have it at all the locations. So we have it in our field service office and we have it in our call center um, field and uh, cash room side each month. We also celebrate every holiday. So we had that infrastructure. So it was a it was a double-edged sword, right? We had that infrastructure and they were used to this fellowship. And then all of a sudden I was like, get the, get away from each other. Stop talking <laughs> yeah. to each other. We can't do this anymore. Um, like, uh, so it was a big loss. And right at that time when it all went down, we were getting ready for Easter. And we always do a big team building Easter event, right? We do team scavenger hunt. We have, I make Easter baskets that they can win. We do water trivia, like all of this stuff. And they were really down uh, because we couldn't do any of that. And um, so I, we had been struggling so much on the phone and they were so emotionally overwrought. And we used to say to each other at the end of the day, all the teams is like, this is a whole nother level of uh, customer service. And so since I couldn't do anything for them for Easter, I went on $6 t-shirts and um, bought them all t-shirts that said whole nother level. Um, So they could all wear them uh, regardless of where they were at, at, whether they were at field service, whether they were on team A in here, team B at senior services. Um, they all got those t-shirts. So it was my way of celebrating birthdays instead of buying the food that I usually would have bought. Um, and then that kind of, I think, really opened the door for us to start talking about how they were feeling. Um, and ha- frankly, how I didn't really start talking about how I was feeling because I I would sit in my car like before going in there and go, okay, you got to get it together because they're so, you know, they're mm-hmm. so upset and they're so scared. And and if you come in there and, and act like you're scared, or you don't know what's going on, or you're not okay, then they're not going to be okay. So we, we really first focused on them and their relationships and how we could get them through this. And how could I still give them increased morale when I couldn't let them be together? Um, so, uh, and then, you know, toward this, I guess that second year of the pandemic, I started sharing more about how hard 
it was for me as well. Um, and I had some family stuff going on and, um, I just decided I was going to, you know, kind of be more of an open book with them and, and just let them in more to what was going on. And, um, it ended up, uh, being a really good experience. You know, I always say we're just this big, huge dysfunctional family. Um, you know, we spend more time with each other so that, they may rub up on each other from time to time, but the fact sure. of the matter is like they can talk about each other in some cases and end up in my office, but <laughs> talking about how we don't do that, but let somebody outside of customer service start talking about them. They will rally around that very person they were just talking about and be like, you have no idea what's going on. Um, so it really did give them a new perspective that also helped with the customers because I realized like I was able to have that dialogue with them. Well, if you're feeling this, mm-hmm. right? They're also feeling this, right? So how do you how do you find a little bit of compassion for them out of the compassion you're trying to find for yourself and for each other? So it, it did really open up a kind of a dialogue. I will I will say one of the good things that came out of COVID is like I I saw how tight my team had really gotten because when we separated them, right, Aww. how upset they were. And I, and I always laugh with them and go, don't ever come in my office again and tell me I hate her because <laughs> I can't get you away from her. Like, yeah. so I'm like, don't ever come into my office again and say you hate her, right? Yeah. Even when we moved them, each team left letters for the other team and on the bulletin board when we moved the team. So over at senior services, they had a big We'll miss you. Can't wait till we're back together from team A. And then team B had written on our whiteboard here, like, we'll miss you. Can't wait till we can be together as a team and all their names. So it it was heartening to see those bonds that we've been trying to build over the years for the three and a half years that I've been here now. Mm. That is so amazing to hear. Like, all, I'm thinking back all the all the pizzas and luncheons, like you're talking about, like we've tried to do to create that bond meant nothing come you know but this simple little note on a whiteboard is like everything yeah like, I, how it do you did you prove how far they come it? You capture it and frame it you know all we did over? capture it in pictures and it actually got featured in the um the water system newsletter they went and featured the two areas and I said well the thing I need you to feature are those posters right and that yeah. whiteboard um yeah. they're a team right whether yeah. they're physically together or not yeah I mean that's the humanity in the story you know we mm-hmm. we did such a good job at uh well we're always quick to especially in our industry talk about the the science or the numbers or the all of those things but that's people talk about well how do we humanize the work that we do well that you you focus on the hu- the human part of the stories just like <laughs> that um, and i will echo that something as simple as a note on a note on a glass board that people see when they come in like uh are i have like several things that i I assume that some of them are Carrie, our, our employee that works with and then some of them don't look like her writing. So I don't know, but, <laughs> but just words of encouragement, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's really important. And I heard a lot of vulnerability and empathy come through everything that you just said, and you're speaking my language. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway that I hope people hear is that a lot of those things that you talked about are some of the first things that people want to cut when we're like, oh, we got to cut the budget by 5% this year, then that's one of the things that we're going to cut, even if it's something like a $6 freaking t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And 
every time that would happen, I would say, what are you thinking? Like, this is culture building. This is team morale. This is all of those intangible things that are what keep us sane when the unexpected happens and when we go through tough times. Otherwise, if you're not doing those things, you're going to make it way easier for somebody to want to pick up and and go somewhere else where they feel more valued. So kudos to y'all. And I, and I would say like, so just to be transparent, Cobb Water does not have any budget for that. So that comes out of my personal budget as a manager. So it's a personal investment. And then over the years, my personal investment in them. Now, when I say they come to me, my supervisors, my managers, my floor leads, my leads in field, and they're like, what are we going to do for birthdays? Or are we going to have a luncheon? And then they're like, what can I bring? What can Mm. I do too? And just like last week, we had a big St. Patrick's Day party. So I bought Subway. My other managers made salads, bought drinks, all that kind of stuff. But then on Friday, we had terrible weather. And just out of the clear blue, one of my reps, one of my floor leads and one of my leads in the cash side showed up with pizza for everybody. Cause they were like, we don't want anybody to go out in the weather. Um, yeah. And so we've like set this standard. And so we're doing it out of our own pocket, but it used to be all me. And now it's me and them. Nice. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That's uh, Well, you know, we got to ask you about communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you, what do you see that communications role has been as you're navigating all of these internal challenges that you've been facing? And you've kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of the team dynamics, but what are some of the not quite so organic things that came out of it, but the very intentional internal comms practices that you put in place? Sure. So I I first of all think that customer service representatives and field service are so undervalued as communication ambassadors for the utility. Mm-hmm. Um, they're for ninety percent of your customers are the only people they're ever going to talk to, and they're never going to go to a workshop, they're never going to go to a presentation, right? But they're going to talk to them either in the field or on the phone. Yep. Um, so we had a couple. Of, we already had a formal communication infrastructure, right? So I take a couple of hours every Friday, um, and I write the weekly wrap up for my team. So since my team is so spread out and I've about, when we're fully staffed, about 86 people, um, both on our field meter side, our cash room side, our paper uh, side and our call center. So they all report to me. So I I said, well, I got to centralize communication, right? They got to know what's going on. Um, So they get a weekly wrap up. It covers kudos, which is any customer compliments, anything I've noticed about somebody going outside of their you know, box to help the team, anything where I see that they've been really struggling with short staff, but really killing it, right? So that they see that I see what they're doing, even if I haven't had time to stop by. Um, And then we do needs to know, which is anything happening, you know, at the county that they need to know about, uh, anything happening at the water system or anything happening in the team uh, or a change in policy or process that they need to know about. Um, we also do comic relief on there. Um, and so I, I will always find a funny comic, uh, that, you know, relates to something going on. Like we just did a, we just did a little gif last week that, um, was from that movie office space and it's the boss going, so we'll be like short staff forever. So if you could just work yourself to death, that would be great. <laughs> right. So I like put that in there because uh, we're struggling with so much short staffing. And um, then we do a tip or inspiration. And that's where I'll 
typically get more vulnerable with them. And then embedded in it is always their weekly stats. Where are we in comparison, you know, some general comments. So they get that every single week uh, so that they know kind of what's coming up, what's going on, what do they need to know in their informs. We already had that. So it was an invaluable tool when the group was even more spread out. And also, Mm -hmm. so we could keep them up to date on COVID. We could keep them up to date on changing requirements. We could keep them up to date on things that they needed. But then with them, so my my group's a like they're great little debt collectors, right? And they've always had like a, oh no, you gotta pay all of this. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, so we won't be cutting anybody off, um, but we can't let these people get this far behind, right? So yeah, you're gonna have to be compassionate, but um, we really need them to pay, okay? Or they're gonna be in a really bad place uh, when we do start cutting off. So we mm-hmm. created all of this messaging and we went through it with them. And they even helped us. They were like, well, I heard there's this charity and that that'll help them. And I was like, great, let's get those numbers. Like, And so they, you know, started working on it with us. And then we provided them all that messaging and information so that we could, you know, kind of standardize what was going on for them. And then we had a secondary message because I don't know about other utilities. We got a lot of calls, especially when the pandemic first happened. Um, is this happening because of the water? Um, is can this be transmitted through the water? So we also had a component where we talked to them about safety and tried to turn the message and go, actually, no, that potable water that you have is actually fighting the pandemic, right? How amazing is it that you're getting this directly to your home to fight the pandemic? So it was also a time to, you know, I'm always going to take love a crisis if it, you know, can turn people around to realizing, hey, water's kind of important, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's, gosh, everything you're saying. So the the document that you gave your people is this a digital or a print? So which one? Uh, the one with the all one the one with like the comics and the gifts. Oh I mean, yeah, so we send it via email to okay. everybody, and then my field service managers they yeah. print it and put it on their glass. I love that. So it's just amazing to me that it's so simple, mm-hmm. and there's structure around it. And you're you know the last couple of years that's like been the number one fight for with managers or like misunderstand like I don't know I don't know what word but just like how do we connect how do we stay connected how do we like create this you know ability to like have those little quirky fun time you know comic stripped and inspirational things and you know you see slack channels blowing up left and right now everybody's on slack creating channels that are like this one's for inspiration this one's for fun and I don't know there's just something to have like almost like a little newspaper with all of that in it that you're getting, it just was so simple the way you're describing it. And I feel like the last two years, everyone just overthought that so much, you know, just, just send them this thing that has like, I don't know, it just sounded so simple and effective versus all of these other managers going, well, how do we suddenly, how do we communicate with each other? Yeah. And my people aren't that technical, right? So it needs to come directly to them and it needs to be simple and just straight from my heart, like this yeah. is how I feel and straight from, hey, I don't want you on the phone. Unpro- I don't want you on the phone unprotected. I don't want you in the field unprotected. I don't want you out there. And then people are asking you questions and you have no idea what's going on, which is I think how a lot of customer service divisions operate. And it's how ours did for years and years and years while I was on the sidelines, right? Watching it and trying to help them. So it it's so simple. Just let them know. And they're such great professionals. Like yeah. they will hang on to that message and they will bring it forward. 
when they when they fail to rise to the challenge, it's because you haven't given, it's because you have to look at yourself as a manager or customer service. It means you haven't given them the tools they need, not yeah. that they're not capable of rising. I look at it, if they don't do what they need to do, wow, what did I do? I must have dropped the yeah. ball somewhere. Yeah. I didn't and give them something. Yeah. And I like that you just keep bringing back this human element into it, you know, just the fact that you thought about sending something a little funny or a little inspirational you know, it might sound like a really small deal to, you know, some of these other managers that are out there who don't maybe want to be all touchy feely or think it's all business and we don't need all that, but it really does make a huge difference. Just a, that little spark of human connection between each other, you know, just a little (laughs) laugh, you know, it sounds like it, your team is, your team sounds amazing. And it sounds like, um, those little things have all added up to a really awesome work environment and, team camaraderie, all of that. So it's, it's, it's really cool to hear. Yeah. And you raised a really good point about, um, not equipping customer service staff Mm -hmm. with the information or knowledge that they need to know in order to be successful at their job. And I think about all the times that I, that I saw that happen where, oh, letting customer service know that this major project was happening kind of like, oh, as an afterthought, whereas to your point that you said the 90% of your customers are only going to talk to your customer service rep, but yet you have given them no context or information to help them be prepared to have that conversation. And, you know, I think about water quality reports and some of the questions that people have about that. The number on there is customer service. And these people are going to be calling them, asking them water quality questions. Like, I just think that for, for every, for operators, for management, for engineers, like that's just, you can't do that anymore. You need to give people a direct line to uh, to yourself, quite frankly. And if that gives you bubble guts to talk to the public, then you need to go do some communication training because it's not fair to put that on the shoulders of the customer service people who are already dealing with their own laundry list of um, customer facing issues. Uh, and then the other thing that you had mentioned was uh, the feedback and input that you got from them. And you know, looking back a f- several years ago too, when people were, this was before COVID, but when more conversation was picking up about affordability programs and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and a lot of those conversations were happening in finance and in how are we going to pay for this? And I'm like, duh, why not ask? There's such an incredible untapped resource that mm-hmm. they could have easily have reached out to as well. So remembering to keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I mean, they are for most of your utilities, even if you don't know it, you have an affordability program. Um, go in and just ask your customer service reps, mm-hmm. how many of them have paid for somebody's bill oh. and on their salaries, which are not as high as yours as a manager, right? Um, but they, they're like, oh, but she's elderly and she doesn't yeah. have any family or, oh, but they have kids, right? So I just, I just went on the IVR. I just, I just made the payment. It's fine. Like yeah. we're going to restore their service, right? Mm. If, if you think you don't have an affordability program, why don't you go in and talk to your reps about when the last time was they paid somebody's water bill and didn't tell you. Damn, That's Kathy, you're going to make me choke. I'm glad Arianne's asking the next question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, we've talked a little bit about the culture and stuff at, at Cobb County and, and specifically your department. It, I mean, it sounds like a dream world. I never really wanted to work in customer service. Um, I applauded <laughs> them and I think they're heroes. 
that they, it scares me to work on that side a little bit. There's like a thicker skin that they have to come, you know, have every day. Um, but I would come work for you any day, you know, it sounds like you have a really cool, uh, customer service environment. Um, so talk to us more about the culture of, of that. And then you have what you've called a calm cubicle. Cause I have a chill out chair at home. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but I want to know about the calm cubicle. <laughs> sure. Um, so like just in general, I, one of my main goals was to build a better culture here. Um, and, uh, cause they, it is, I used to say, you know, that the door to customer service is not actually electrified. Right. Cause it seemed like <laughs> every manager or any, they were like, oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't go into customer service. I'm like, what? Like, I mean, sometimes even our own customer service managers were like, yeah, I can't yeah. go to the call center. Like I just, somebody might ask me questions. I don't really be involved in that. Yeah. Um, and so like that, the customer service division manager's office used to be behind two locked doors past the lobby. So you couldn't hear a customer, couldn't see a customer. Um, you were nowhere near your staff. And so one of the first things I did when I took this job is we took two offices and we busted out a wall and um, we made an office for me in the call center. Right. So I am in the call center minutes, seconds away from the front counter. To, I hear somebody kicking up, can hear all my reps on the phone. So the, that was the first step in culture. And then, like I said, those other things we do, monthly celebrations, holidays, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything when the pandemic happened became harder. Um, and I think, you know, just the tenor that you see on like social media, right? That plays out for them on a daily basis in every interaction, email phone field, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it is, it chips away at them a little bit in a way that, in a way that our normal cultural stuff can't combat. So when I got interviewed for the jobs, one of the things I said, I had a dream that I would be able to set up a room in Cobb Water, and I know we don't have any, but where they would be able to go when things were just getting too hot so that they could take a break. Um, yeah. And then Amidst COVID and moving everybody, we also decided to completely remodel the customer service uh, division. So we took the old area where my my office should have been. We blew it out and we moved our paper side over there so they could be quiet and do their detailed work and not be in the call center, which is where they had been. So it freed up some cubicles in the call center. And so I took a cubicle that is next to our floor leads. Mm -hmm. And I decided I was going to make it a calm cubicle, a place they could go and relax. So we um, we got some fun like desk toys for them. We got a meditation cushion. We got a nice chair. Um, my staff contributed puzzles. I bought Etch-a-Sketch, Rubik's Cubes, nice. things like that. Um, they've got inspirational signage all over the wall and our great communications folks did a mural on paper that we put up of a beach with peaceful water that is inside there. Um, they've got a like inspiration a day calendar. And then they've got a little jar of like inspirational messages that they can either take if they need it to take back to their desk or that they can give to a coworker if they need uh, something. So they can go in there on their breaks, on lunch, or they can chat me or another uh, supervisor and just say, listen, I have had just one bad call after another. I just need to step away for a minute. And they can go in there. Um, I think a lot of customer service managers, that we get so hung up on number metrics. Mm -hmm. um, and we're so worried to give them any kind of 
oh, don't give them any rope right now. They'll just, you know, they'll just abuse it. Um, That hasn't been the, I think if you have expectations and I always tell them all of my expectations to them rise out of what the impact is on the total team. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do that, they just rise to those expectations. I don't, they don't spend a lot of time like going over there. Oh my God, are you in the, what are you doing? Where have you been? (laughs) Like, I, I don't like they're, no. They're working, right? And if they're not, they're letting us know where they are, right? They're they're yeah. adults, right? They're not they're, they're not children. Um, and the quality of their calls is more important than the quantity of their calls, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody waits a little longer on hold, but they have a better experience, I'm okay with that. So we yeah. we also shifted the culture to be more quality based. So we threw out a lot of our quantity metrics. We nice. hired a trainer. We created a QA, QC uh, for calls. And now we use that as their primary metric. So instead of you took 86 calls and everybody else took, you know, 52 calls, good job. Or you took 46 and everybody else took, you know, I mean, it just, it was fueling the wrong things and it was making them feel too pressured. And I just, so we, we made that switch. So all of those things combined kind of led to that. And then we're now sort of doing this little yoga class. It's not really yoga, more like morning stretching. Just nobody sweats, nobody gets hurt, everybody just does Perfect. what they want. Some people do it in a chair, it's like blood I mean, flowing a little bit. Yeah, and just do some relaxation poses so they can kind of focus on their breath and just be able to calm themselves during the day as well as the calm cubicle. So it's open. I I get here at seven twenty in the morning to lead it, and anybody wants to okay. join, and so we're done at seven forty five. So everybody's changed and ready to go on the phones or in their position by eight. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask who's leading that. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then can we have a picture of this calming cubicle? Oh yeah. Um, because I know a lot of people can visualize this in their head, but I'm thinking especially, no offense guys, but especially men who have a harder time taking this idea and making it, you know, don't just hand it to a woman. Cause that's what I think that would happen in my situation. You just do this. You can it out. Like here's a picture and here, here's yep. how simple it can be. And sure. here, I mean, how impactful it can be. Um, so can I have a picture, um, so we can show everybody. And then, um, I want, I don't know if this is like this call or like, I don't know if there's, if you can share this, but how, what, I want to know your more like your QA, your what did you say? QA, QC, metrics, yeah. how you're measuring that versus the numbers, because that is a huge switch. Mm-hmm. That is such a big deal. And we verbally try to tell clients and try to tell people, you know, think more quality, not quantity, um, more anecdotal evidence, not, you know, likes and shares or whatever. Um, but it's so hard to to see that in real life. And so you're doing it in real life. So if there's a way to share that. Oh, yeah, you know, we'll share the QAQC with this. Uh, we we gave everything points. So that's how we do it, right? Yeah, so we gave everything yeah. points and she pulls calls and listens to them. She yeah. sits with them for personal interactions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Share that with us if you sure. can. We'll put it in the show notes. And oh, yeah. No problem. Write the word. No problem. Yeah, I know you posted some pics on uh, on LinkedIn in the post yeah. that I saw. So if you okay. have any of those or anything, you know, something that could almost be like if someone wanted to DIY, they could look sure. at that pic and get a sense of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, happy to share pictures and the QAQC on the um, oh, yeah. 
uh, on the show notes for this. And I just, I love the way that you, that y'all have reframed timeouts. I think that, you know, when, if you <laughs> yeah. have children, timeouts are kind of a bad thing because it means they're acting up, but this is mm-hmm. a reverse timeout where you're just taking it for yourself because mm-hmm. your child wasn't acting that way, but <laughs> maybe yeah. someone else is acting <laughs> like a child. So yeah, that's all the rage in the in the little kids um, articles now is like the calming corner or chill out chair yep. versus time out and you know yeah I, whatever. So I, my husband's I, a teacher; he has a chill out chair uh, for his kids. Yeah, he has a chill right. out chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, so speaking of chilling out, I guess um, there's been a lot of buzz about around this great resignation. Um, a lot, I think a lot of people are chilling out in their own ways now. Um, what have you seen at your utility and how does that compare with what, you know, you're seeing in your own team? Yeah. Are people leaving in flocks and droves at your, your place too? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so I've been at Cobwater for 20 years and we now have almost 200,000 accounts. When I came on, we had about 140,000. This is the first time in my 20 years, we have had less than 400 employees to run the department. Wow. 60,000 more customer accounts um, and less people than we had when I came on 20 years ago. Um, We've got divisions that have nearly 50% vacancy. Um, Our system maintenance division for distribution and collections uh, is decimated. Uh, decimated. Mine, my, my staff laughs. We go, we go in a circle, um, right? So we, we field service struggled so hard uh, during the middle of the pandemic. My guys that were out in the field, I mean, we were, we were functioning with less than 50% of our staff. It was rough. Um, then we, we came up with a plan with our management. We built the staff back up. And then my call center um, suffered some unexpected losses. A lot were medical. And some, uh, when we talked to department specific, were, were really good. We had a lot of people get promoted. Um, mm-hmm. And then now my field and customer support, which is my paper uh, side, is really suffering. They currently have two out of the eight employees they need to run. I just had presented an entire shortage plan to my boss on Friday because I was like, well, so we're going to, we're going to weather this, but we're not going to weather it on the back of the mental and physical well-being of the staff that is working. So customers needs will be met. Not all their wants will be met and not their time frame will be met. I said, so I'm going to help them manage their disappointment um, about this <laughs> until we're fully staffed. But so for so the globally for the system it's been devastating. Mm-hmm. For customer service it's it's hard to handle and we have had people leave and, and a lot of people have left because of medical issues or we've had a lot of um, maternity leave where they just decided to stay um, they didn't come back. Yeah. Um, but the majority of our loss has actually been through attrition to higher positions, right? So that's been the side benefit of the great resignation for us is we've really focused on preparing our folks to leave us, which is kind of a dangerous thing, right? You want them to stay because, oh my God, now I'm hiring all these people and now I'm training all these people, right? Um, But they won't stay if you don't invest in them or they won't they won't stay engaged, okay? I need them to stay and be engaged. I don't just need them to stay and occupy a chair, right? Yes. I need them to stay and be engaged. And so oh. 
They won't if we don't invest in them. We don't ask those questions. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Where, where do you want to end up? So we've had a lot of people leave for higher jobs and some a lot within customer service, right? So a supervisor or a lead has moved on or, um, and they've moved up, right? And then some into engineering where they took meter sales over. Um, so we've seen a lot of our people getting promoted and moved up into next level. And for us, that's a big change because, yeah. I used to feel like uh, people were like, it was like a concentration camp in customer service, right? And they were like, well, I just managed, I just got to get over the barbed wire and get out of here, right? And so it's not so much that anymore. We're trying to develop our people, trying to make sure globally at Cobb Water, the water system sees them as the same asset I see them as. And so they are on an equal parity with anybody else who applies internally for a job right? They are respected professionals, not just the customer service team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we've been, but we, we struggle. I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a struggle, but I, I'm also really into, I told myself radical honesty with customers um, about where we are. Right. I, I, I just, I cannot, I'm not going to make a promise to you that my team can't fulfill without taking a serious hit to their mental or physical well being, And yeah. I, I've got no problem if they're kicking up, you just transfer them to me. Like I'll, oh. I'll take care of it. Oh, wow. Well, like I said, and I feel that we've lived up to it is that I really wanted this to be a conversation that shone a light and gave a, a ton of gratitude and appreciation to the work that customer service professionals do. But I definitely want to, before we get into our lightning round, I definitely wanted to leave this piece of the conversation with the opportunity to ask you to talk about what your most to take your most important takeaway you want people to take from from this and to remember about customer service personnel at utilities and and also just how we as an industry can support them more sure um they they are a hidden gem in your utility they they are you would be shocked at what they know about your utility and what they discuss on a daily basis um they are some of the employees with the broadest perspective of your utility as a whole. They are some of your best communicators because they understand what customers want to know and how they take in information. Um, and if you are looking for somebody and thinking about who could move up, as a utility and as an industry, we have to start looking at them as the essential workers and essential valuable assets they are to the utility. And you should be giving them a chance and giving them the tools they need and they will rise to the occasion and they will take your utility to the next level. Hmm. Um, I So we get asked, um, we have been asked in the past to give presentations at the like Texas section, AWWA's customer service um, conference that they have. And um, I think at least that one clip, I will uh, want, I would want to like take out and turn into them and say, use this as your like opening, you know, first words every year, because it's, it's true. And it's, they're so important and they do just kind of get pushed to the side or forgotten about, or it's some like I remember our utility was in this weird space between the customer service folks were were not in utilities they were in finance oh, but they, they were do, in yeah. utilities and so they never knew where they belonged mm-hmm. they never had anyone to take care of them they had broken chairs and broken headsets with like duct tape around the you know and it's like 
what are we doing? What message does that send them that they, we don't care about them. They're the most important. They are literally the front lines. It's crazy. And then we say, but keep our customers happy. Right. (laughs) And get that call time down. (laughs) So I appreciate so much that you took the time out to talk about this and reframe. I hope that every manager, director, counselor, city manager, uh, listens to this and, and it's completely like changed the way their, their mindset is because you just reframed everything for them. You know, it's great. Yeah. And if that's not you, you better share this with whoever needs to hear it. So, uh, well, from that, we're going to jump into the lightning round and I stole this idea from Brene Brown. She ends her podcast with that. And our lightning round is all rooted in, uh, the rogue water core values. And we've got some questions, mostly fill in the blank. Um, but don't overthink it first gut answer. And, uh, it never really turns out to be a lightning round, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it as lightning as we can. So, uh, Ariane, I'll let you kick off the we should first have question. changed this to Texas thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah. 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 30 minutes. <laughs> could be a tornado. Could be a light shower. We don't know. It's Georgia too. Um, okay. So name a moment you've felt most authentically you, um, at home with my husband and my cats. Nice. Nice. Okay, this is a fill in the blank. I'm so glad I met blank this year. Virtual counts. So um, a guy named Louis Castellanos with uh, Cobb Water, I actually developed with the communications manager, a leadership development program at the direction of our director, and she and I co-facilitate it. Um, and Luis was in our first class last year and I'd never met him and he is a young uh, wastewater operator and yes yes and he like you like I was sitting with him working on his project for the final and I just he was so impressive to me and his analysis of like what was going on and how how to sell our profession was so unique and heartfelt that it has stayed with me and so I, I was honored to uh, work with him in the class and to meet him and to get to know him better because I don't get out to the plants as much as I used to. So that was, uh, that was really fun. Um, I would like to meet Luis as well. So I'm going to write that down as a note. Uh, I'm absolutely serious because I love that. And I think that just like customer service, your field personnel are hidden gems uh, I miss every single one of them that I got to work with while I was at municipalities uh, every every single day. So, okay, boldness looks like fill in the blank. Uh, speaking your truth, even when you think it might be hard, vulnerable, awkward, or not popular. Mm-hmm. Especially when, yeah. Uh, I stay curious by blank. Learning from others, especially the people that I'm around every day. What's something you're deeply grateful for? Gosh, that's, I am grateful for so many things. Um, (laughs) But I guess I'm deeply grateful for my career in water and the people that I have met both at Cobb Water and like you all, and and because I've been so blessed to go nationally to lots of things and to speak at 
lots of you know, state conferences and meet great people, the best people that I know work in water and the opportunities I've been given as somebody who came in with a non-technical background and taught myself what I needed to know, came in just communications, like I didn't do water. Yeah. Um, it, I'm deeply grateful for my my career in water as I've become one of those people that's like mentoring all the young people and watching them do all those things, the cool, fun things that I used to get to do. And now I'm just that old person that like, can't believe she's oh, here. That old <laughs> season. season. I can't believe she's still here. First of all, no. Second We're of seasoned all. like that gift with the steak, you know, oh, with the salt on there. We're just <laughs> like seasoned. That. Like that. Yeah. Um, so you gave us a you gave us a pretty powerful takeaway uh, related to specifically customer service and your work. So if you want to pivot and make this more personal, that's uh, that's I would love that. Uh, but I, I think we've asked you this question before, and I don't remember what your answer was <laughs> then. But I mean, we've been through a lot since then, so a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, um, but. One of the things that we hear in our line of work is I'm just one person. What difference does it make? If I make a change, it's not going to change anything, which we wholeheartedly disagree with. We think that change can be contagious and you never know what you can inspire in someone else. So with that in mind, what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? (laughs) Okay. So I'll go, I guess I'll go personal, right? Like, so, um, I think kindness and compassion, right? I I just think now maybe more than ever, but like it can't it can't be underestimated. Like you don't know what's going on with anybody else. And if you could just find a little bit of compassion and kindness for them, you'd be surprised. You could change you could change all of the stuff that we see, that at least I see right now that make me sad. Mm. <laughs> Very true. Yes. Um, well, love it. More kindness and compassion, y'all. That's Kathy's call to action for you. Kathy, again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak your mind with us because we love your brain and how it works and just hearing all of the things that you are, you're doing in your corner of the world and hopefully elevating that so others can, can follow lead. Well, thank you, ladies. It was a pleasure. And it's always great to get to talk about customer service and water. Thanks. And my great team. They make me look good. (laughs) We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The Water in Real Life podcast is a Rogue Water Lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo. That's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by Rogue Water Lab, 12 Midnight and Matt Black Sound. Sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound. For more water in real life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.